Welcome to Ruby Lola Keeping Current, the space where we talk about everything early childhood education for anyone who has the passion for quality ECE. Join our Facebook community at Ruby Lola AU and follow our Keeping Current blog at rubylola.net. And now, here's your host, Angela Bush. Kia ECE whanau. Welcome to today's podcast. It's my great pleasure today to be talking with Sharon Smith, who is a RAI associate, a very experienced RAI professional and early childhood teacher and has been in this um, early childhood world for a long, long time and has an amazing wealth of experience to talk about with us and share with us today. So it's my great pleasure to introduce you. Sharon, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Sharon, before we start with all the, the uh, in-depth questions and talking about um, Ryan, where you've come from and all about you, just let's start with something a little bit um, relaxed and tell me about your favourite quote and why that's your favourite quote. Well, there's so many, of course, but I think for today um, the quote I'm going to go with is um, observe more do less and enjoy most. Um, And the idea around this concept really supports how we come to see the child, uh, whether we're with them during play or as we're caring for them. Um, You know, to first of all have that capacity to trust that this child can use their initiative, um, their inner directedness, their creativity, coming through and unless we can observe it about the child in their own right you know we can miss out on so much Um, so if we assume that the child needs us to entertain them um, or to stimulate them um, you know this is a very adult agenda and, and you know comes with a different view and therefore a different sort of relational resonance um to allow ourselves to do less, you know, really supports us to see with inquiry, um, you know, to see uh, that sense of wonder rather than a sense of knowing. Um, And this knowing, you know, we all have this knowing. Um, But it just might get in the way of something that's actually going on right in front of us. So we can learn so much from the child and um, it just gives us the opportunity to enjoy and appreciate them for what they are and what they can do. Um, During the care moments, we can observe more about what the infant is experiencing um, and that we do see them and we are appreciating that um, in our verbal or non-verbal communication with them. from their perspective, they're giving us information, sending us signals. And, you know, we want them to know that these are received and understood. So, um, you know, we take their needs seriously um, and we enjoy uh, each other so much more. So it's really, you know, that quote's really about it allows for the give and take um, because we're including the child in the observation um, and around what it is they are doing. I really like that one too, Sharon. Thank you for that. And that was uh, from Marty Gerber, wasn't it? Yes. Um, that yep. Great, yeah. Yep. And actually, I can really relate to that because, as I was just saying to you before, I'm working with a 10-month-old at the moment 
And um, I really remind myself daily to just stop and just watch and not have my own agenda and just take his lead from um, where his play is going and uh, and not feel that I need to um, do anything else other yeah. than just be there and, and watch and enjoy and learn from what he's doing and getting yes, about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Sharon, um, for those people who may not know what a Roy Associate is, can you tell us what, what that is? And um, and how you came to be a Roy associate? Sure. So um, so for those who may be new to Roy, um, what Roy teaches is an educaring approach. So educaring is the way in which we focus on care as the model. Um, through the way we care, we build on our relationship, our connection with that child. The child is learning all the time um, about how they're perceived in the world. These are basic things like how do we speak to them? How do we touch them, handle them, hold them? Um, how can we invite them uh, so they, can, they learn that they can contribute and participate uh, in their care? It's very empowering. Um, so the understanding that the care moment is you know, one of full attention, um, a time when we really get to attune and share a bit of each other. Underpinning the approach is respect, um, the guiding spirit in all human interactions, you know. Um, with that attitude of respect, you let the child know what's about to happen to them and you give them time for a response. Um, you see the child as competent um, and as much as possible allow the child to solve their own problems. So we don't push them to achieve their development. We want to allow their own time and their own pace to get to where they need to. Um, we respect this person, maybe a small person, but they are a whole you know, sentient human being. So I take this as a way to understand, you know, how I hold you, the child, in high regard, um, how I see you, the child, um, with that sense of being seen and being heard and feeling felt, you know, of being safe. Um, sometimes it might be that very thing that's challenging for a lot of people is, um, you know, how we can hold a positive image of that child. So we want them to feel valued and worthy. Um, you know, how do we get to see that competency, um, the focus or the resourcefulness that they have? We go back to that quote, you know, that you know, we want to be able to have the time and the space to observe, and we create that environment that allows that. Um, we want to take the child's perspective into account. Um, we want them to have the opportunity to freely explore and have uninterrupted time to play. We want them to follow their instincts and trust, learn to you know, trust their judgment about things. And that comes from how we are also building our trust with them. Um, it comes from that place of being safe, uh, secure, emotionally built up, um, and from that place, the child is actually able to venture out of themselves um, and into their environment. So 
I think that um, you know the the journey for me uh, to in becoming a Rye associate. Um, it was really about people, places, patience, <laughs> um, and openness to learning. You know, we're all lifelong learners. Um, and a willingness to commit to the organisation. Um, from attending a, a foundations course, you are invited to go onto the Rye pathway. Um, and Rye uses a mentor model as, as part of its um, learning, where you get to learn alongside some key mentors. So there is a practicum component to it. Uh, and there's two pathways there. One is a parent infant guidance class, and the other is group care. My practicum was a parent infant guidance class. Um, back, that's all they had back when I was doing that then. Um, and my internship then was through future Rye Foundations courses that were being held in New Zealand and Australia. So back in 2008, I was at the Pickler Institute and I met some Rye Associates, um, including Polly Elam, who was the president then. Um, you know, people were beginning to travel to Budapest um, uh, because they had begun the English-speaking courses then. And then they were also beginning to travel to LA for the Rye trainings. And, you know, this is really expensive, really expensive mm. to do. So we decided to organise a Rye course in New Zealand. And that was back in 2009 that I organised that very first Rye intensive. And then Polly Elam came to facilitate that. And then she came out every year after that till 2015, um, which is when I was then able to take over as a Rye associate. So, you know, a, a long but amazing, you know, experience for that. Right. Yeah. It is a long journey, isn't it? Yeah. And um, how did you first find out about Rye and, and hear about it and come to know about it before you started this journey? Yeah. Um, again, that's about people. Um, I remember when I was studying my. Uh, Bachelor of Education, Maureen Perry came to talk to us about uh, parent-infant classes. And um, this was probably towards the end of the third year. And it was interesting because that year, oh, well, that program was, was really focused around three to six-year-olds, to be honest. There wasn't a lot of infant-toddler, you know, stuff there. Um, and so I remember thinking at the time, what is all this about? It really didn't make a lot of sense because what I had been learning about really wasn't, you know, it was more skewed to the older children. Anyway, it sat there and it was, you know, interesting. And then years later, um, I was working for a home-based organisation. And when I started my training, um, Maureen Perry was there also starting with that organisation. And so there was, you know, those interesting, you know, connections there. Um, so it was kind of through things like that um, that it first came up for me. When I went, I left that organisation and went back into group care because I was missing being with the children. Um, and um, it was then at that time I was able to go to the Pickler Institute and, and then, you know, in 2011, 
um, a charitable trust was established, New Zealand Infant and Toddler Consortium, and that was with you know Maureen Perry as a founding trustee. Um, with, and I was there, Catherine Bussey was there, Anita Homewood. And um, that was, you know, set up to provide a, a means to continue to share the work, really, but also to support others who could be invited onto the Rye pathway. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because now uh, I'm a Rye mentor as well. And so that, um, you know, allows me to mentor individuals who are, invited to that pathway so it's a beautiful virtuous cycle that's happening oh. okay yeah. so so as, so as well as being a by associate and, and a mentor um what else are you doing today in this in this field yes so right now today i i work in my consultancy magic child um the majority of my work is um, about sharing the work of rye um I'm also I'm also a PITC program for infant toddler care certified facilitator, and that's another quality focused organisation about infant toddler care. Um, so from time to time in Auckland, I get to visit centres as an evaluative lecturer, uh, supporting students on their Bachelor of Education program for AUT. Um, so my work is really varied and very diverse. Um, I support early childhood centres, uh, teams or individuals, management, um, and I do that in New Zealand and in Australia. Um, and, you know, I have opportunities to do lots of, you know, one-off workshops, but I do prefer um, to be able to work more long-term consistently um, with a centre over time because, it, you know, it gives you more gives you more meaning and more depth to the difference you can make you know um I offer parent consultations I hold parent infant classes weekly in Auckland um so I get the opportunity to be with parents as well as their infants and toddlers um so yeah it's a broad reach and yeah very satisfying right yeah I get the opportunity to go over to LA and connect with the live group there Yes, I, you know, the past decade, um, apart from 2020, um, yes, I, I have been there in LA at the Rye Conference a couple of years presenting at them, um, you know, uh, introducing how Te Whareke, the, you know, New Zealand early childhood curriculum fits so beautifully with it. Um, and so, yeah, this year it was a virtual conference, which was also pretty awesome. There's some pretty amazing synergies in between the philosophy and Tabaraki, isn't there? It's, uh, yeah, for, for, for a philosophy that was developed so long ago, um, just it's quite incredible how well the two complement and work so well together, don't they? Based on respect for children. Definitely. So, Sharon, for those who may be new to Rye or who might be revisiting it, can you explain what the philosophy is about in a nutshell? Yeah, you've done a little bit more. Did you want to add anything? Um, I think I think really that um, that sometimes it ta- to, to be able to accept that it takes time to right. really internalize what it is that you're really wanting and to be able to understand not just so much what you do, which is important, you know, to work out what are we doing here. Um, 
but to peel those layers um, a little bit further to investigate um, how we might go about showing respect or um, working together as a team or things like that, or even um, one layer further about working out why. Why do we want to do that? What is, you know, what is the outcome of uh, being able to have uh, that particular sort of relationship, for example? Um, and that's all fantastic stuff and gives you gives you ways in which you can continue to talk to each other as a team because that's really important. Um, but it, alongside the way in which we are with children, I think that this philosophy really supports how we are with ourselves. You know, it gives us an opportunity to grow our own awareness in so many ways. Um, and, you know, that can only ever be a positive thing, I think, as we continue to, you know, yeah. mature and develop um, as, as human beings as well. Yeah. If there was some some a, a few main principles that you feel um, infant and toddler teachers working in group care perhaps and they're wanting to implement Rye need to understand with their work with infants and toddlers, what do you think those main principles would be for them to try to get their head around? I think um, I think you know it's where we choose to put our energy and our focus is really important um, and around that if we take the care moment because it's such a, a big part of this approach you know when when we're in a care moment we really want to be fully present so that we can offer our whole selves you know to whatever it is that we're engaged with it puts value um, on this time of care so it's about our attention, our integrity, um, our focus in the moment on the experience at hand. And, you know, it's something that we can really come alive about, you know, that we can be really absorbed in it. And with the child, it just becomes so much more meaningful um, um, as we are there together. So, you know, it's like hopefully... I want to be able to say, you know, do you know, do you have an experience of that feeling of, of really being in the moment, <laughs> you know, um, of being fully present? Um, because what we can give and we can receive in equal measure, you know, when we're there with the child. And what we grow is our awareness of our own emotional and physical attunement, you know, and in that with the child. So, this is how we build trust. Um, there are so many benefits from the refueling, you know, that comes from unhurried, pleasurable care moments. Um, it means that the children are really ready to explore their environment with, with minimal intervention from us, really. Um, I found actually another really beautiful quote from Magda Guba that I'd love to share with you around that. Um, and it says, uh, how do I perceive the other person who gives me these feelings? As honest, as one who sees and accepts me for what I really am, who objectively responds without being critical, whose authenticity and values I respect and who respects mine, who is available when needed, who listens and hears who looks and sees me, 
who shares herself, who cares. To care is to put love in action, and the way we care for our babies is then how they experience our love. Yeah, it's like, oh, just blows your mind a bit, really. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, so the question, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, The question I might, you know, want to, that might be great for a group care environment is, you know, well, how can we demonstrate that with the children in our care? You know, Mm -hmm. what does that look like in your context? You know, opening those lines of inquiry. I think when we had that privilege of observing children how self-regulated they can be, how engaged they can be, how competent they are. Um, it really reveals an experience of children's natural processes of discovery and invention and 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 all that through play, you know, how they learn through play. But it depends on the physical and emotional environment, you know, and that's our responsibility to be able to provide that. So part of the learning for the child and the teacher is to work towards you know, perhaps a peaceful solution um, when there's opportunities to problem solve. Um, the social experience, uh, you know, we want that to be of joy. Um, and some days it doesn't always, you know, go according to plan. But, you know, I'm talking about that sort of overarching feeling um because we you know we bring that we bring that with our attitude into the room so the cooperation we get as well and that the child is learning you know that's an opportunity to be together and you know that kind of experience starts right from the beginning um so i guess what i'm saying there is you know it's the emotional relationship that's key um there's an awareness of what the child experiences in their social relationships as well as when they're together with you, um, there's obviously rules um, and boundaries, um, and there's those uh, where there's no negotiation. You know the red light, um, but hopefully those are few, and they're usually about health and safety type things. Um, so you know that the raises the question there about you know how how can we sort of set these limits for children to you know, impact a rule house rules as Magda would call them, um, but without creating fear in the child you know so that idea that is that we are we're, we're supporting them they're learning and we're supporting them. So one of the key tasks for us as the adult there is um, often just to bring the child out of this conflict situation, you know, without a judgment or without anger from us. Um, Sometimes the goal may be just to, you know, separate the the children. Um, You know, they don't need a lesson about it or they don't need a moral or they don't need a lecture, you know. Um, It it depends on the age, you know, sort of how you might intervene. But, gosh, children are growing and developing and changing all the time. And that's important for us to recognise too because we need to shift and grow as the children grow, that it's really easy to get stuck. (laughs) The child has sort of gone along and we're still wanting them back here doing, you know, how things were a few months ago. Um, So, again, our attitude that we bring is so important with infants and toddlers. Uh, You know, the attitude is, you know, the attitude we bring to everything is important, right? There's also many transitions in early childhood programs. So, you know, I just, I guess I want that educator to feel that, 
they're right there with the child. You know, that they're not against them. I'm talking about an attitude because they're changing and we have to keep up with them. So the other main component there is, you know, our expectations of children, that they need to be realistic. Um, and that what we can do uh, in our team is talk about, you know, when there's talk about solutions together. So we get to know more about that child um, and we want to make it work for that child, you know. That problem solving essence. It's great. Thank you, Sharon. I think that's a lot of food for thought for working in group care with children and, and thinking about why based practice and group care. Um, thank you. Thanks for that. So, what do you think are some of the common misconceptions you've come across about Ryan, particularly in child education? I know that there's often misinterpretations. Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the ones common ones that I often hear is that children are left to cry. Oh, yes. Not attended to or picked up. Um, tell me about some of the common misconceptions that you come across. Yes. Well, um, that's a good one, actually. Um, yeah, I do hear people misconstruing crying it out with being a rye method, and that's just not true. Um, I think the thing there is, yeah, crying crying is a means of communication. Um through our observation, we get to hear the cry and understand maybe what the cry represents, definitely. Um, we do want the child to express themselves, and that can be a little bit different to the need to stop them crying because we are feeling really uncomfortable with hearing it. Now that's one sort of idea around that. Um, but really, we're there to acknowledge those feelings and support the children, and they are getting through it, and they will get through it. Um, in that sense, you know, we're regulating each other's biological states, you know, when we're there in that room. And young children experience their world as an environment of relationships. So... The relationships affect virtually all aspects of their development. Um, so we always come back to the relationship. Um, it's, it is important to co-regulate uh, a child's ner nervous system. Um, and we need to be emotionally present with them to support them while they're experiencing it and getting through it. Um, that whole emotional and social side is really important, actually, um, about how we can respect that the child's development in there. It, you know, it's not about a script or a recipe and <laughs> um, dealing with behaviour. You know, behaviour is also a, a means of communication, right? So you are there supporting a person um, who is learning how to cope, um, um, how to regulate or, you know, how much is enough for them. Um, and sometimes these things do take time. Uh, sometimes you might notice within that your own feelings towards an intense emotion um, and that's a how you're feeling sometimes might be a barrier to your ability to connect with the child that's just one of those self-awareness things that you know often comes up um, so it's how we work out being with the children really um, while they're experiencing um, 
uh, crying or some something intense for them. Um, we want to support them. We definitely don't want them to feel abandoned or isolated. Um, you know, on a slightly different example might be I heard a story once where, um, you know, parents were saying goodbye to their child and left and the child was upset to say goodbye to their parents. And the teacher was, you know, actually showing quite a disregard to the upset child. Um, and when it was queried about, um, they just said, well, you know, the child's experiencing separation anxiety. You know, it's all good. Uh, you know, I've got this kind of idea. Um, and now, so, you know, that's that knowledge um, might be true, but the actions were not really very supportive <laughs> um, about, you know, um, what the child was missing. You know, where was the empathic kind of resonance there? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you really want to communicate with the child and focus on acknowledging what's going on, even if in your head, theoretically, you know what's going on, <laughs> um, and to offer support with the child. And the child can choose whether they wish to take up that support or not. But, um, you know, sometimes that gets confused with allowing a child to express their emotions. Um, so, yeah, we're not leaving them there to cope with that sort of stress on their own. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the main ones that you you come across. Yeah. Some misconceptions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think sometimes I often wonder about um, sometimes in the quest for children's independence, um, sometimes the lens towards health, self-help skills, um, we, we might miss cues and opportunities where children are actually trying to make connections with us for help um, um, and we get a bit caught in our own need about well you, you did it yesterday so you can do it <laughs> you know that, that sort mm -hmm. of thing so um, yeah sometimes I just think you know to be mindful about that really that yes certainly we, we, we offer you know the minimal help because we want children to do as much as they can do for themselves um, but we also need to be observant and listen, you know, with our eyes. <laughs> um, each day is a new day, and they might have done it yesterday, but today maybe they just need, they might need your help a bit more. So, yeah, it's important that children feel that they can ask for help because um, that's a lifelong skill, really. Mm -hmm. um, and, again, you know, where the relationship proves critical. So children can still learn independence through interdependence um, and that's the one we really want to focus on is that aspect and we still want them to yeah allow them to do things at their pace and in their own time about um conflict resolution sharon um one of the one of the misconceptions i think that i've seen uh, and heard a bit um is that teachers stand back and let children scrap it out or <laughs> You know, or that, that children might get hurt rather than the teacher becoming involved. What are your thoughts on on teachers supporting children being coming competent in conflict resolution? So I guess it depends on the age of the children there, but often, um, so like very young children might do a lot of giving and taking, and and they do that readily um, without. Um, 
any kind of fuss around it's mine, I, I had it, or, or the idea that we might come in and say give that back or, you know, anything like that. But as they get a bit older and they're becoming more aware of ownership, um, and they, you know, they might learn to hold on um, or they might let it go and they still might be unhappy about that. But um, I don't think we would ever want to allow children to hurt each other. So we would definitely need to intervene if we could see uh, something like that happening or if something was to happen like that to, yeah, just again be able to support without the judgment, um, which is hard and takes practice. Um, but also that's where, um, you know, our, our broadcasting, our sports casting of what's going on can be of benefit where we give information about what we're seeing. Um, we're, not, we're not taking over about the conflict, but we're just kind of mediating between the two children. Um, and, and if we can hold that space with them and do it calmly, you know, where the, the rock who's, you know, um, who, where the children can rely on us to keep them safe, um, usually it, it works itself out. So, again, I think that's a, a related a lot to an adult, how we are with conflict, um, uh, because usually uh, as conflicts come up, how we respond versus react uh, can make a big difference to just keeping just keeping it about, yeah, we're, we're just learning and, and this happened and, you know, it's not done maliciously or, or anything like that, you know, so we just keep it, keep it even, if you like. Yeah. 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 I think also one of the other ones that I have seen or actually experienced myself is that um, sometimes if there's a, an adult in the space who doesn't necessarily have a, a much understanding about life philosophy might notice uh, a teacher alongside or a caregiver alongside a child who is perhaps has got themselves into a position that they're uncomfortable with or that they're frustrated with um, and the caregiver isn't rushing in to rescue them from that and I think that sometimes that can be misunderstood that you're leaving them to, to be uncomfortable yeah. Um, and and so it's so it's a matter of helping that other adult to understand or through your actions and what you're saying that actually you're there supporting the child and you're noticing and recognizing when you need to know that child so well. Like yeah. I could give you an example today, for example, with the little gorgeous boy that I take care of. He has just started moving and he's just starting to hold on to tables and pull himself up, but he's got his legs pulled under himself quite a bit often today. Yeah. And get very frustrated with that and, and yell out about it. And and um, I sensed that perhaps mum thought I was leaving him a bit too much, but I was right yeah. alongside him saying to him, I can see this is frustrating for you. Your legs are stuck underneath you, aren't they? And 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 sure enough, if I just was there beside him and waited, um, and sometimes when I could see that it became too much for him, yeah. I could say to him, do you need me to help you? Yeah. Um, but I didn't rush in and take over for him. And, and nine out of ten times, he resolved it himself and looked at me like, yeah, that was really hard work, but I'm okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. a lovely example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it comes back to, as you say, us knowing the child and knowing how much is enough and, and just where that tipping point is and then yeah. – 
intervening and and then how we talk to the children about that because we're giving them information um, that they're taking in even if they can't talk we're telling them about what's going on and that they are they're taking that all in and it's adding to their you know kitty of knowledge <laughs> you know about yeah. about coping about um yeah. i i've got this and and that's the kind of um that's the the value we want to convey that you know I think you've got this but if you need help I am here you know mm-hmm. that, that idea it's acknowledging isn't it it's acknowledging what they're working through and that yes. what they're working through is valid and important yeah um, and, and and it's their learning that's that, right. that is going on not necessarily ours in that, in that particular Absolutely. moment um, um, but I might be learning about how to respond to you but um it's their moment to work through and so not to rescue them from that but yeah and that's trust that's that yeah isn't it yeah and and you know it takes time doesn't it to work Mm. work that out sometimes it's not evident it takes a lot of you know and so it's where you know being a model in, in a situation is very powerful not just for the other children but for other people who are there um you're right you're right yeah um, I'm also reminded there just thinking about um, that when you said earlier about knowing children well and knowing their cries, um, you know, um, recently this little guy has just started to make some different cries that I've never heard before. And for, at first um, I was a little bit alarmed by it because I thought, oh, that sounds painful or that mm-hmm. sounds like he's, because I might not have been exactly there, I might not have seen quite what was happening. But then when I just stop and not rush in and just watch um, and really take my time to ascertain what was going on, I I can recognise that because he's going through a new phase of moving and and trying things out, that he cries out in different ways now uh, and communicates different things that I need to pay attention to. So I don't need to rescue him, but I do need to acknowledge that I'm hearing him. Yes. And then take my time before I become involved and, and work out what he might need or not need. Yeah. It's very powerful, isn't it, to be able to be alongside and to be able to, you know, to just say even, gosh, that's a new cry for you. I'm trying to work out what's going on, you know, just just relating like that, um, that they it, it, it gives an encouragement even just about, yeah, you can, you can hear me and, yeah, this is hard or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And it's so rewarding when I can see on his face and his acknowledgement back to me that he knows I understood him. It's yeah. really, it's really nice. He looks at me like, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really lovely. Thanks, Sharon. That's um pretty great food for thought, isn't it? So um your work with the New Zealand Infant Toddler Consortium. Tell us, tell us about that. What what do you do there and what does that organisation do? Yes, so, um, well, 2021, we are looking forward to bringing back our community forums. Um, and so that's an opportunity. Usually we have it at an early childhood centre. It's open to everyone, um, although we have limited group size. So we can talk. It's an opportunity to dialogue about... Um, the celebrations and the challenges and, and the things that are coming up um, and for um, educators to share and parents come to to share 
uh, yeah, their way of interpreting something or asking questions around a particular aspect. Um, so we have those in central Auckland, west Auckland and North Shore, um, in the Waikato and in Otago. So um, over time, I do wish to continue to um, create more opportunities throughout New Zealand, but, you know, one step at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, we're always, you know, sometimes centres, um, if you want to be, if you want to offer your venue, uh, your centre as a venue, that, you know, we're always very grateful for that. And um, sometimes centres do that with pride to say, look, look at, you know, look at our environment as well. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just mm -hmm. those great opportunities. Um, we do seminar days throughout the year. So, um, Next year, we're planning for half-day seminars, um, and these tend to be oriented towards early childhood programs, teaching teams. Uh, so next year, we're going to be in Wellington, Blenheim, New Plymouth, and Dunedin, um, every three months or so. Um, we tend to look for a, a big city and then also a small um small town um, and we do our best to try to visit new places every year um, we're pretty excited for next year actually because 2021 is our 10-year anniversary celebration so in Auckland in July we're going to have a um, seminar day a special day where we're focusing specifically on care movement and play um, yeah, so okay, yeah, that's going to be really great. Um, through NZITC, I facilitate Rye Foundations, um, and that's happening in May. Um, and then I also have the, my parent infant classes. They will begin again from mid-January. We're still we're just about finishing rounding up our term in a couple of weeks, and they'll start again from mid-January. So, um, yeah, we're a small dedicated um, committee and um, yeah so it's a volunteer organization of course and uh, yeah we just do our best to be able to share the work and um, provide yeah opportunities for people who might end up on the pathway in the future. Wonderful thank you Sharon. So if, if somebody wanted to find information about NZITC or the programs that you're offering where would they go about finding that information? Where will they find you? Yes, just um, check us out, Google us, nzitc.co.nz, and that's our website. And on that, you'll find everything that we offer, who we are. Um, uh, we also have just put our newsletters on there, so um, feel free to go in and check out some really amazing articles um, there um, and all of our program stuff is there so that's the best place right and you're also on facebook aren't you so people can yes there. absolutely yeah, yeah wonderful yeah that's great thank you sharon that sounds like some really um interesting things coming up in 2021 and uh i can personally highly recommend people go and take part in rye foundations i think it's just an amazing program and if you have a passion for rye if you have a passion for infant and toddlers, then it's the thing to do, uh, and you, you'll never regret that. Um, spending time in that program, yeah, sure. thank you. yeah, yeah. It is. It's a, a, I love 
teaching at its amazing 10 days. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for your time, Sharon. It was really wonderful. And um, take care and all the best for 2021. Yes, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for all the work that you do. Um, yeah, take good care, everybody. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.